My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be thinking about how we can live a more fruitful Christian life. As we read in the Bible, we find several passages of Scripture that, that admonish us to live a life that counts for God. That is, that there should be some fruit on the tree of our lives. And here in our church, we've been studying for the last few weeks out of John chapter 15, which is one of the greatest chapters in all the New Testament, about abiding in Jesus. Jesus said in that passage of Scripture that He is the vine and we are the branches. And if we would abide in Him and let Him abide in us, that we would bear much fruit. Now, the whole idea of abiding may be new to you. Maybe you're not familiar with that word, but it, it has with it the idea of staying connected to Jesus, not letting anything come between you and the Lord. And so many times in life, in our lives, we do let something come between us and Jesus. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's a bad attitude towards somebody. Maybe it's a problem. You know, sometimes we go through life and we get so caught up with what we're going through in our life. Maybe a family issue that's very serious or maybe a health issue or maybe we had a financial reversal or something going on. And that can become so much the focus of our lives that it's almost like we, we forget about God or at least we're not we're not connected to him with our faith. Our, our mind and our heart is somewhere else. And so Jesus made it very clear that we need to not let anything come between us and him, but that we should stay connected to him. And if we do, we're going to have fruit in our lives. First, there'll be the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, and all those other qualities that uh, we read about in the New Testament. And then there will be some, what I'm just calling, outward fruit. There will be things about our lives that will bring honor and glory to God. And so in the message today, we will be looking in John 15, and I hope that uh, this will encourage you to stay as close to God as you possibly can. And friend, whatever you might be going through today, don't let the devil pull you away from God. Don't let situations and circumstances drive you from God. Let situations and circumstances push you to God so that you can abide in Him and he can make your life a fruitful, fruitful life. I hope you'll enjoy the message. If you'll open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter number 15. We've been in this passage of Scripture for the past few Sundays, and I want to talk to you again from it today about abiding in Jesus. That has kind of been our theme, our emphasis for the last few weeks. And to abide in Jesus simply means that we try to stay connected to Him. Now, none of us is perfect. We all mess up. But we're trying not to let sin or bad attitudes or anything come between us and Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we are abiding in Him. Now, in the last sermon I preached on this, I preached about stress and how stress in our lives can cause us to stop abiding. In other words, sometimes 
we feel so overwhelmed by the responsibilities of life, we feel so stressed out by everything going on, that instead of focusing on Jesus, we're focusing on all those things, and it just makes the stress worse. And so, one of the things I said in the last sermon was, when you're stressed, do less. Say that with me. When you're stressed, do less. So after that sermon, I was at a restaurant, and I bumped into a couple from our church, and the husband said, hey, John, come here for a second. He said, my wife and I were just talking about your sermon. And he said, I was saying to her that I have been really stressed out, and so in the spirit of your sermon, I'm going to just have to do less. And, he, and then when he said that, the wife spoke up and said to him, you can't do any less. So maybe if you're married, you have to get your spouse to sign off on it before you do, before you do less. But nonetheless, as we think about abiding in Jesus, it is coming to that sweet spot in our Christian life where we say there's no static on the line between me and Jesus. There's nothing between me and Him, and that gives me peace in my heart, and it gives me joy and kindness, and I'm gentle and all those things that we should be, and it happens when we abide in Him. Now, John chapter 15, verse number 5, don't look at your verse in the Bible, but look up at the screen, because I want to see how well you've been listening and if this verse has really resonated with you yet. Why don't we fill in the blanks? You, I'll say the words, you fill in the blank. I, Jesus is speaking. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much. Now let's read the last part together. For without me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying, if you don't have me in your life, you're never going to have the fruit of the Spirit. You're not going to have a whole lot of love and very much lasting joy and any real peace. And you're going to struggle with patience and kindness. And instead of being gentle, you're going to be hot-tempered and you have a short fuse. But if you'll abide in me, I'm going to change you from the inside out. And certainly that's what all of us want to happen. Now, the first thing I would say as we kind of pick up there and think about abiding in Jesus is simply this. Abiding in Jesus changes the quality of our lives. It does. And I think I've made that clear the last few weeks. When we abide in Him, He produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And He gives us those qualities that we want to have. And it doesn't mean that, that we don't have problems or we don't have issues. But it means in the midst of those things, we're able to stay calm. We're able to stay peaceful. Somebody can say something to you that would otherwise rub you the wrong way and cause you to react in anger. But if you're abiding in Jesus, you kind of stay cool. You kind of stay calm. You don't react. You just, you just have love in your heart. I, I saw this illustrated a few weeks ago. My dad and I had gone one night for dinner to Luby's, and it was my time to buy. And so we got to the restaurant. I said, you go first. It's my, my time to buy. We try to rotate that out. And, and so he was going down the aisle, and I was at the fruit section. And I was trying to decide cantaloupe, or carrot salad. That's a major decision, you know, at Luby's. Which were the two am I going to go with? And so as I was thinking about that, the lady who was behind the counter, she looked at me. This is a true story. She looked at my dad. She looked back at me, and she said, are you two brothers? She literally said that. And it kind of, kind of don't clicked in what she said. And I said, are we? I said, no, ma'am. I said, we're brothers in Christ. That's my dad. He's nearly 30 years older than I am. Well, my dad, who has a slight hearing problem and who sometimes milks that for more than what it's worth, said to that lady, he said, ma'am, I didn't hear your question. Could you ask that again? She said, I was just asking him if y'all are brothers because you just look like brothers. And I was thinking, I'm supposed to be abiding in Jesus. Stay cool. Stay calm. 
And so I moved on down the aisle and I got to the meat section and I was trying to decide baked whitefish, trout almondine. I was trying to decide that. This same lady moved down the aisle with us and she asked the second question. She said, are you two politicians? I thought this conversation is going from bad to worse now. First of all, she's aged me three decades, and now she said, I look like a politician. I said, what is happening? But I th- I'm abiding in Jesus. I'm staying calm. I said, no, ma'am, we're not politicians. I just like some of that fish with extra tartar sauce. That'd be fine, all I need. But my point is, if you're trying to abide in Jesus, you don't, things like that, I mean, I silly illustrate, but you get the point I'm making is that things don't upset you. Whereas if you're not abiding in Jesus, you've got sin in your life or a bad attitude, and then somebody comes up to you and says something, that wasn't mean, that was just, but if they say something that, you know, you might react with anger or you might strike back verbally. But if you're abiding in Jesus, you're going to be gentle. You're going to be loving. You're going to be kind. And so abiding in Jesus changes the quality of our lives. If you want to have a better life, I mean, abiding in Jesus is not just something you should do to make God happy. Abiding in Jesus is something you should do so you'll be happy. And so everybody else around you will be happier because you will have those qualities in your life that when you wake up in the morning, you say, you know what? I've got a better life than I would have if I were living for myself or if I were all caught up in sin or doing something I shouldn't do. This abiding in Jesus works and it's changing my life. You agree with that? Say amen. Second point I want to make today, and this is really what I want to be the focus of our time together. Abiding in Jesus not only changes the quality of our lives, it changes the purpose and the direction of our lives. In other words, if you are abiding in Him and you're saying, you know what, the most important thing to me is my relationship with God. I take that very seriously. And so I don't want to let anything come between me and God, okay? If you have that attitude in life, Not only is it going to give you those inner qualities that are going to make you a more pleasant and happy person, it is also going to change how you view life, how you view the purpose of your life. It's going to determine the direction of your life. It will determine what you do with your life. It will determine whether or not your life is all about you and yours Or if your life is about God. Certainly you take care of you and yours, but that's not the main focus. The main focus is God. It's seeking first the kingdom of God. And actually, He takes care of you and He takes care of yours. And so if we're abiding in Jesus, that is what happens. Now let me give you a scripture verse just to write down. You don't have to look this up, but just write this down. In Romans chapter 7 and verse number 4, the Bible says we should bear fruit to God. Think about that. We should bear fruit to God. You see, up until this point, when we've been talking about fruit, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, etc. Today, we're talking about a different kind of fruit. See, the fruit of the Spirit describes what, what you're like. Are you loving? Are you kind? Are you joyful? Are you gentle? Are you patient? Do you have self-control? Are you a forgiving person? That, so that, the fruit of the Spirit, these are inner qualities. But today, we're going to be talking about outer qualities. We're going to be thinking today about outer fruit, about what you do with your life. And so if you could think of your life as a tree. And I want us today to ask ourselves this question, is there any fruit on the tree of my life. Certainly we want to have love, joy, and peace, but we also want to have some other fruit in our life. I'll give you one example. You're in John 15. Look down in verse number 7. 
Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that is, you're just always mindful of God. You're trying to go with God. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. One of the benefits of abiding in Jesus is that you get your prayers answered. One of the ways that you can know you're abiding in Him is that you pray about something and you get your prayer answered. And one of the reasons is when you're abiding in Jesus, you're praying about things that would bring honor and glory to Him, not just things that might fulfill your your selfish desires or make you temporarily happy. Look in verse 8. Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Not just a little fruit, but that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. And so again, today we're talking about those outer fruits. We're talking about what we do with our lives, how we live our lives. We're thinking today about are we doing anything with our lives that when we get to heaven and stand before God at the final judgment, we're rewarded for, that God is pleased with, or are we just spending our whole lives for ourselves doing what makes us happy? And so what I want to do today is to just give you several little things that you can do that will help you have fruit in your life, fruit on the tree of your life. And let me just, you might want to just jot these down. Number one, this is so very important, and that is be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. Now again, Go ahead and turn. Would you turn to James chapter number 3? I want you to see some of these verses. I could just read them to you, but I think it would be better for you to look them up and maybe to underline them in your Bible. In James chapter number 3, you see, if a person has the fruit of the Spirit in his life, like, for example, peace, then it only stands to reason that we would seek to make peace or create peace in stressful and turbulent situations. You know, there are two types of people when it comes to peace. Some people are trying to do everything they can to stir up strife and always kind of keep the pot stirred. And, and, and there's always some kind of drama or there's some kind of controversy or gossip or slander. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, did you hear what he said about her? Or did, did you hear what she said about him? Or did you hear? And I, I sometimes just want to say, you know what? I know it's interesting whatever they said about each other, but no, I didn't hear about it, and I don't want to hear it. Did you hear what she said about her, what he said about him? No. See, there are people who want to always stir it up, but there are other people who are trying to bring peace to otherwise stressful situations. James 3.18, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, it uses the word fruit there. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so one of the fruits that can be on the tree of your life is righteousness. And that gets there if you are a peacemaker. If you're doing everything you can to cause there to be peace and not chaos and not turmoil and not strife and not stress and not tension. We don't, who wants to live? I don't want in my life... I don't want there to be any of that, and you don't either, but there will be if we're always stirring the pot. So we don't want to stir the pot. We want to put a lid on the pot or take the lid off the pot and let the steam come out so that the pot can be smooth and still and there can be peace and not strife in our lives and in our relationships. The second thing, other than being a peacemaker that we can do to have some fruit in our lives is to be a soul winner. To be a soul winner. Now, turn back to Proverbs chapter number 11. 
Because I want to show you this verse as well. That word soul winner, or those two words, soul winner, you hear that and you might think, man, I don't, what does that even mean to be a soul winner? If you've been around for a long time, if you're an older person, you probably heard that back in the 70s or maybe even the 80s. Preachers used to preach a lot about, you know, we should be soul winners. But if you're new to the Lord or new to the church, you probably never even heard about that. What does it mean to be a soul winner? Well, a soul winner is somebody who shares Christ with others and tries to win them, as it were, over to Christ's side. So when you share with somebody else how Jesus Christ has forgiven your sins, how He has changed your life, how He's given you joy and peace, and how He can do for that person what He has done for you, and then you take it one step further and you, you help that person to pray and ask Jesus to come into their heart, you have become a soul winner, and in doing that, you have now more fruit on the tree of your life. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 30. Look at it. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Okay, there's that word again, fruit. Look at the next part, next part of the verse. And he who wins souls is wise. Listen to that sentence. He who wins souls is wise. Say that with me. He who wins souls is wise. And so the Bible says one of the ways that you can have fruit in your life is to be a soul winner, to share with others what Jesus Christ means to you. And what He has done for you. Now, I personally believe if we would take this one thing seriously, that there is no telling what God could do in people's lives, what God could do in our community, what God could do in our church. In other words, if we took seriously how faithfully we share Christ with others. You know, this is one of those things we, don't, we just don't think as much about. Like if you want to know whether or not you're being faithful in tithing, all you have to do is get your checkbook and say, well, have I been giving my tithes to the Lord? If you want to know how faithful you are in reading your Bible or praying, you can measure that. If you want to know whether you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, love, joy, and peace, I mean, you pretty well know whether you have those things or don't. But this whole thing about being a soul winner, I don't think we take that as seriously as we do some of the other things that God has, has told us to do. We take seriously coming to church we take seriously helping people. But as far as telling others about Christ and how they can be saved, and I know this is not an easy thing to do. For me, it's not an easy thing to do. I find it much easier in a large group setting like this to talk to you or to any group about Jesus than I do if it's one-on-one. -on -one. There's something about talking to another person one-on-one -on -one that can be intimidating it can be awkward. We don't know how to start the conversation. We don't know if they're going to think we're coming across wrong. And so we always want it to be natural and want it to be spirit-led. And yet, it is still our responsibility. God has given us the responsibility of sharing Christ with others. Do you remember the Great Commission? Right before Jesus went back to heaven, He said to His disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all people baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God has given us the responsibility of sharing our faith, telling others about Jesus. Uh, that, is, that is our responsibility, and we have to ask ourselves, how faithful am I being to that task? Am I doing that? I think what would happen in our church, for example, if we all took that responsibility seriously, it, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, with people we go to school with, with people we go to the gym with, with, with just people in our, in, in our sphere of influence. Here's how I think that would, in time, 
in the weeks and months ahead, here's what I think would happen. We would come to church, hear the sermon, give the invitation, and here you would come, you, walking down the aisle with a friend, and you would say to one of the ministers at the head of each of the, at one of these aisles, you would say, you'd introduce the, your friend to one of us, and you would say, you know what, for the last 15 years, we have been uh, work partners together out at Shell. We're operators at Shell. And for the last few weeks, we've been talking about God, and we've been talking about the church, and I've shared with my friend how Jesus Christ has forgiven me and saved me. And last Tuesday, on our lunch break, my friend prayed and asked Jesus to come into his heart. He's coming to the church forward today to make his decision public. You see, that's what would happen in time if we took seriously sharing Christ with others, we would become soul winners. And, and, and as, as we became soul winners, there would be fruit on the tree of our lives. Uh, you, a lady, might come walking down this aisle, and you might say to the minister, the head of that aisle, you would say, hey, I want to introduce you to my friend. We've been teaching together at Turner Elementary for the last six years. And we've become friends, and we've been talking lately about the church, and we've been talking about God. And, you know, last Thursday after school, when the kids had all gone home, we slipped back into the, into the teacher's lounge, and, and my friend prayed, and she asked Jesus Christ to come into her heart. And she's coming forward today to make that decision public. See, if you became a soul winner, I'm not saying that you're going to be walking down the aisle every single week with somebody, but it'd be hard to believe you could go a whole year and not walk down the aisle with somebody you had led to the Lord and brought to the church. Or maybe you come down the aisle, and you introduce your friend, and you say, you know, she's been cutting my hair for 10 years. And... Uh, been talking to her lately about the Lord and about the church. And, and last Wednesday afternoon, she prayed in, in her shop, and she asked Jesus to come into her heart. And today, she's coming forward to make that decision public. Or this is a friend I go to school. We play ball together. And last, last Monday afternoon, after practice, we set up under a, 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 an oak tree there at Deer Park High School, or wherever you go to school. And, and my friend prayed, and he asked Christ to save him, and today he's coming to make that decision public. And so what I'm saying is, if we would all take seriously our responsibility to be a soul winner in our sphere of influence. I read a verse yesterday morning. I was home, and I was getting ready to come to church and speak at a, at a funeral, actually. And I'll just, you don't have to turn to this one, but just listen to this verse. In 1 Peter chapter 5... And verse number two, I read this verse, and it was like God spoke to me and said, John, this is your verse for the day. And here's what it says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. And I read that yesterday, and I thought, okay, today, in my circle of influence, there's going to be some people among me. And I have an opportunity today. And again, I know that's in a larger group setting, not, but, that, but that's for me even e a little bit easier. But it was just like God said, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. And so it was like God said, when today, share with the people how to be saved. Give a clear explanation of how to become a Christian, how to go to heaven one day. But the phrase I noticed yesterday, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. You see, you have people among you that are not among me. You do. And I have people in my sphere that are among me, maybe my closer friends or people I go to the gym with. Or, okay, they're, they're among me. They're not among you. But let's think for a moment about the people who are among you. Who is it in your circle of influence that you could share Christ with? And it may be over a process of time. It probably would be. But eventually out there, you could give them an opportunity to receive Christ and they could be saved. And so when it says in the Bible, he who wins souls is wise, uh, it's talking about how we can have fruit in our lives. Let me ask you this. 
Aren't you glad that back there somewhere, somebody shared Christ with you? I mean, I am, because it's made all the difference in my life. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we would share Christ with others the same way others shared Christ with us? See, that's taking God seriously. That's all part of abiding. That's all part of fulfilling the Great Commission. That's all part of doing what God has told, commanded us and equipped us to do. And so we want to take that seriously and we want to pray, God, help me to be a soul winner. Well, it is our responsibility to share Christ with others and to do all that we can to win people to the kingdom of God, to, to be a soul winner, to win people to Jesus Christ. And I encourage you in your life to do that. As I was saying at the introduction today, at the beginning of our broadcast, whatever you're going through, it's, it's not so much what you're going through, it's how you respond to it. And if you will respond by abiding in Jesus and trying to do everything you can to bring peace to tumultuous situations and point others to Jesus, you're going to live a good life and you're going to honor God with your life. Thanks for listening today. I hope you'll have a great week and I hope you'll be with us next time.